Well, well, well. Long time no here. Welcome back. Hey, this is Cookie. This is Bootsy. And this is the Cookie and Bootsy podcast. Yay, we're back. It took us forever to come up with that name, too. So we're back. And um, it's been a month and a half since we've done one of these. I thought it was a little bit longer, but we'll go with that. A month and a half to two, two years, months. whatever, you know. I think every month or every week of 2020 has felt like its own seven years in dog years. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you know, we haven't been around for a while to do one of these. And the only thing that I can really say is life fucking happens. Life happens and there is no other year that compares to 2020. Would you like to tell everybody what we're drinking? I am drinking water. I think we're going to get more into that. Yeah, and I am also drinking water. I have been so We have been sober. We have been sober. For eight weeks. And if you're still with us, yes, this is still a cookie and boozy. Yeah. So, um, you know, life fucking happens. And um, where do you want to start? I think we offer an apology. Uh, I'm sorry for being sober. (laughs) No, you've actually been very pleasant sober. I am going to just say, you know, I'm, I retract things we said in our last podcast about wanting life to get back to normal. That wasn't our last podcast. Our last podcast, we were eating hot sauces. Okay. The second to last podcast. (laughs) Now I will say, I do not regret the hot sauce taste test. That was a lot of fun. It was. But here recently, or one of the last podcasts we did, we were talking about how we just had a fuck 2020. It is what it is. Let's get back to our life. Let's get back to a routine and let's just live because what the hell everybody else seems to have. Yeah. And I'm not even going to say we really even got far enough to attempt that no no um we said fuck 2020 and then 2020 decided to fuck us very hard yes and didn't offer to pay for dinner no lube was involved (laughs) oh my goodness you went there yeah it was it was down and dirty so do you want to start or you want me to tell him i'll let you start and i'll be here for comedy relief oh so Needless to say, the day after we did the hot sauce taste test, mm-hmm. you woke up not feeling great. Yeah, I would say that's true. And could it have been alcohol that you didn't feel great? Possibly. Could it have been a kidney infection? Could it have been any number of things? It could have been all of the above. And let's just say it wasn't any of the above. No, but for about a week, I was I was functioning, but I wasn't functioning at 100%. You were barely functioning at 60%. True. And, I, you, you and were... I thought that, you know, I had not been sticking to the healthy eating, and I was drinking pretty heavily before that. And um, I think you were just worn down. I was, and I wasn't getting hardly any exercise. So I put all of that together and came up with the the conclusion that I was feeling like shit because you were living like because shit. Because I was living like shit. Correct. Well, that wasn't quite the case or that might've been the case. And then it changed. Yeah. So about a week later, um, you went to a work function. I did. I went to a work function. It was on a Friday. It was actually Friday, August the 21st. And, um, it was August, so, you know, we live in the South, and it gets hot in August. And It's about a 90-degree day. Yeah, that morning it rained. Oh, which, if y'all aren't from a humid climate, mm-hmm. you don't understand what rain means. Yeah. Rain means, if you're a woman, don't bother doing your hair, because it's going to frizz no matter what you put in it. Mm. I believe the South in humidity is the reason Aquanet was ever invented in the first place. I was hoping it was conditioner, but we'll go with Aquanet. And so when you have a rainstorm in the morning in August, you know the afternoon and evening is going to be choke yourself, humid, heavy, thick air. Right. 
So my function at work was an outdoor function that started at noon. The sun came out, the humidity level went sky high and it was hot and it was miserable. And that entire afternoon, um, I was hoping to be able to obtain some bottled water to drink during the festivities, but all that they seemed to have was beer and liquor. And at a work function, even though you were or are a functional alcoholic, you would not choose to do that at a work function. And plus, I'd felt bad for a week at that point. So I kind of felt like part of my problem has been my drinking. So if I'm feeling bad already, no point in making it worse. So I kept waiting for the offers of bottled water to come around, and they never did. So I spent five hours in the heat and humidity, and I felt horrible. And so I was saying, okay, I am, uh, I'm dehydrated. I don't feel good. And, um, and that's this, what I blamed it on. I blamed it on all that. And at this point you were maybe five miles from my home. Yep. So what happened when the festivities were over? So, well, the festivities continued. I chose not to go along. So I sent you a text. I said, I haven't had water all afternoon. I've been outside. Can you please have me a big, huge container of ice water? And all I want to do is take a cold shower. And I obliged. So um, short story long, um, cold shower, crawling to bed, went to sleep, feeling rough, not feeling horrible as in I, I figured out later what feeling horrible actually was. But at that moment in time, I was like, I'm dehydrated. It's been a long day. It's been a long week. It was a justifiable, <coughs> crappy me. feeling. Right. It wasn't anything alarming. Well, I I'd already come to the conclusion that I'd done it to myself. So I wasn't looking for an outside diagnosis. I diagnosed myself. I'd done it to myself. This is what you get for living the way I was living. So I went to bed, woke up the next morning, and that is when... It just, I felt like, I I felt the worst that I'd ever felt in my life. Well, and I'm going to jump in. From the time you arrived and started drinking that water, Mm -hmm. took a shower and got out of the shower, in that short period of time, you developed a horrible cough. See, I don't remember. And there's a few days in August that I don't remember. We'll get to that. So anyway, I woke up the next morning. I felt horrible. I stayed in bed all day. I developed a bad cough. I was running a fever. Um, you know, in this, in this day and age, I was now starting to say, well, maybe maybe I've caught the plague. Maybe I should go get a test. Maybe I should go get a test, which came back negative. You actually, so this all started on Friday night, right. Saturday morning, because fortunately and unfortunately, My memory is a little bit more crystal clear on the sequence of events. Okay. So I may correct or interject some different opinions or views. Uh, The next morning was Saturday. You woke up and you at that point said to me, I think I need to go get a test. Did I say that? Because I don't remember saying that. You, a grown ass man Mm. who doesn't like going anywhere to get a test, actually asked me what time does the closest testing place open? Yeah. So we did our Googling and we were there a few minutes after they opened. Yeah. And, um, and it came back negative. It came back negative. Um, I felt horrible. I've never felt so bad in my life. Um, spent a couple of days struggling. And then I guess it was Monday when I went to the emergency room for the first time. It was either Monday or Tuesday. I believe it was Monday. And it was, yeah, it was bad. It was bad. Um, again, I felt absolutely horrible. Um, was in the emergency room and very fortunate here at our local hospital. Uh, I seemed to only deal with doctors that had a good grasp on the situation. I knew what they were doing. I knew what they were talking about. And the doctor said, eh, we believe the COVID test only 30% accurate. He said, I'm going to get a chest, chest x-ray, look at your lungs, and that will tell me everything that I need to know. And, um, yeah, my COVID uh, showed up all over my lungs. My lungs were full of it. And uh, the doctor said, 
I'm going to diagnose you as a presumed positive. I don't care what the swab test says. You've got COVID. And uh, which that now, was it. No, that's not it. Okay. Which means the whole house had been exposed. Oh, yeah. You folk. Yeah. The little people. <laughs> not only did the whole house then be exposed that had potential school implications for my son, that had work implications for me, and they sent you home. They yeah. basically said, suck it up, buttercup. There's nothing we can do. Here's a Z-pack. Here's this. Go home and sleep it off. Yeah, the, the doctor said, I want to give you Z-pack. He says, it's 50-50. Half the people it helps, half the people it does nothing. Well, I was on the half that did nothing. And you came back here and proceeded to be an incredibly gracious, although stubborn, very, very sick patient. Yeah. And there's, I know we're grazing over the top of this, but when I say this was severe, there are so many reasons it is a true blessing that you don't remember multiple days. Yeah. And, um, you know, Bootsy took amazing care of me. She ended up taking full care of me 24 seven, um, two weeks of being very sick. And then after two weeks, I started getting a little better every day, but she still, she still worked around the clock to take care of me. Thank you very much. Very welcome. And I'm forever appreciative. And so. So that, okay. So you start developing symptoms or you feel dehydrated on a Friday. Mm -hmm. Saturday, you go get a test. Mm -hmm. Monday, we actually get the results of that test that were negative. Correct. And we're both sitting there going, how the hell is this negative? Yeah. This, this has got to be wrong. Yeah. Monday, you end up in the emergency room. Right. Deathly ill days and days and days yeah. about a week so the yeah. next wednesday well let's let's back up i'm gonna i got a little bit more of a story to tell so i'm sick as a dog for that first week and i mean sick as a dog and it's getting a little worse every day and okay. the nights were horrible mm -hmm. I, as you can imagine being that sick it's hard to sleep but my fever was going up into the 103, 104 range several times, several times a day. And so I would spike a high fever and then I would take Tylenol and whatever over the counter stuff we had. And then I'd finally go to sleep for a little bit and then I would wake up and I felt like I was in a pool. Everything was covered with sweat and, and it was nasty. It well, was pretty nasty. There were hours where I was putting cold wash rags on you mm -hmm. every 20 minutes. And then there were actual days where I was having to, I was washing the sheets every day, but there were days there when this fever rotation was so extreme and you were so sick. I know of at least two days where I was changing the bed sheets with you in the bed. You right. weren't actually physically even getting out of the bed. Yeah. And that, that's a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. I've never done so much back-to-back -back laundry in my and life. I, and I don't remember any minute of you taking the sheets out from under me and rolling me over, but it happened because I would wake up with clean sheets. It was very strange. So, <laughs> Well, and dry <coughs> sheets, that was the important thing. Was yeah. They were dry. So the following Saturday, and I remember this vividly because I had weird thoughts, um, and one, one day in a future episode, we might do all the weird dreams that I had when I was sick because they were pretty incredible. But so the following Saturday, you know, I'm a week into this now and I wake up on Saturday morning. And by this point, my fatigue is so high that I wake up, I walk 15 feet to pee. I'm exhausted. So by the time I get back to the bed, I go straight to sleep. Mm -hmm. There were days leading up to that, that if you wanted to go use the bathroom, I helped walk you in there. Right. 
And then when you were done, I'd help walk you back to the bed. And it was not even 15 feet. Yeah. And I would just go back to sleep because I was exhausted. My fatigue, the fatigue was almost as bad as the cough. The cough was the worst part. But so the following Saturday, I'm sick for a week at this point. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'll explain the dry cough later. It's pretty funny. And I want to jump in here. You had no appetite. And I guess one of the reasons we're sharing this is because this story, I feel, is truly a learning thing for other people. Yeah. Because this virus hits everybody so differently. Right. So I had the lungs from hell. I had the horrible cough and I had the high fever uh, and the incredible fatigue. But I never had a sore throat and I never had a headache. So. And the cough you had would make somebody at the other end of the house gag. Yeah, it was it was horrible. It was a choking cough. Yeah, I felt like I was drowning there for a few days. So the following Saturday, <clears throat> I get up, do my normal routine, trying to get to the bathroom, and I put pressure on my right foot, and there's a horrible pain there. And it really feels like I'm stepping on a nail in the middle of the bottom of my foot every time I take a step. And it was horrible. And I had a little bit of cramping in my lower calf. Same leg, right side. And my first thought was, how the fuck did I break my foot laying in bed for a week? It made no sense to me, but I took it as, you know, when shit starts breaking down, it just all comes at once. So um, I crawl back into bed. I suffer with this foot pain. It doesn't hurt when I'm laying in the bed. Yeah. But it was you, excruciating when I tried to walk. You had some trouble with it laying in the bed, but it was predominantly when you bear weight on it. Yeah. So I deal with that for two days. Monday morning, she wakes me up and says, we're going to the emergency room. And I was thinking, you know. Um, I was flat out told y'all. The doctors told me I'd be fine to suck it up and stay home. That was it. I was told that in the emergency room, the first time I went, <clears throat> there's nothing really we can do for you. Go home and ride it out. And so that's what I was doing. So when she woke me up on that Monday and said, we're going to the emergency room, I was not like, having it, not having it. And now I'm going to jump in here. So when they discharge you from the hospital or the emergency room in the first time, they give you this 1-800 number. And they say, here's the COVID coronavirus hotline. I don't remember If that. you're having problems, and of course, it was on your paperwork, basically, because I didn't get to see doctors. I couldn't go in. You had to go in by yourself. Right. So this, your whole hospitalization was completely solo. Yeah. I mean, I could drop him off. I could explain to the nurses on the sidewalk what was going on but i was not allowed to go in with you right and on the first hospitalization because i was not your wife they would not give me information when i called which was utter bs mm. but they gave him this 1-800 number and said in the paperwork if you have any symptoms or you have any questions or you have concerns call this number guys from my experience over this ordeal that 1-800 number is a joke. Oh. Because you call it know. and you talk to somebody who is, one, not a medical professional. Mm. Because I asked, what are your credentials? Mm. And they wouldn't give them to me. And I explained what was going on with his foot. And they said to me, well, you're going to have to take him to the emergency room. We can't give you medical health advice. I ended up having to call this 1-800 number twice during the ordeal. And both times, ma'am, if he's exhibiting any symptoms, he has to go to the emergency room. Why not just put me through to a recording that say, saves me 20 or 30 minutes of yeah. being on a DMV essential line yeah. and says, just go to the emergency room. If you have any what ifs, go to the ER. Wow. I didn't realize that. Interesting. So I'm sorry to interrupt. I walk in, I tell you, you're going to the emergency room and you're not thrilled. No. And I'm like, well, why? I've been told there's nothing they can do for me. And then all of a sudden, like she was wearing a cape, super Google doc shows up. 
So what did you find out that made you want me to go to the emergency room? So I basically Googled COVID and foot pain Mm. because I figured there's (coughs) with this impacting everybody differently. Pick two or three keywords and you Google them and you sort through and figure out what's going on yourself since the doctors weren't going to be much help. And I had already also called the emergency room and said, hey, so-and-so was in here. These are the symptoms. He's still exhibiting. And the first thing they say, just like the hotline, well, if he's still having problems, he just needs to come back to the emergency room. Mm. Well, Google. No, let me, let me just throw something in there. So when I went to the emergency room the first time during this was the second time I've ever been to the emergency room in my life. For you. For me. Yes. So, you know, at 48, I thought I was living pretty good. I've been to the emergency room once, and that was four years ago to get my appendix taken out. Which was not scheduled. No, definitely not. And so on the Internet, I found articles that foot pain was an early warning sign of COVID doing heart damage. Hmm. And so I informed Cookie, this was what I found. And his response was, well, what do you think I should do? (laughs) (laughs) Guys, if I could have smacked him, I thought about it. I wouldn't have remembered it. It would have been fine. (laughs) I looked at him and I said, no, I'm not going to answer what I think you should do. Cause I've already told you, hmm. what would you want me to do if our rules were reversed, which he grumbled, said, fuck. And said, I need a shower. Yeah. I'm not going without a shower. Yeah. So showered up, headed to the emergency room as a good patient would do when they're told to. And I felt like a pack mule because I was packing my work bag so I could work from the parking lot because I knew I couldn't go in. But am I going to be there for three hours or am I going to be there for eight hours? You never know when you go to the emergency room. And before we even left, you looked at me and you said, can you just see if they'll admit me? I mean, Mm. he was so sick. Yeah, I wanted to bypass the whole emergency room experience and say, hey, can you just put me in the hospital and save me from having to go through the whole emergency room process? Well, at this point, you'd been so sick for so long. Yeah. You were mentally exhausted. And I, again, I, I'm going to say this. We're, we're hitting the high level of this. We're not getting into the real nitty gritty daily because some of it was pretty gory. Yeah. But I will say there were days where you would just sit and rock like physically rock in pain and moan because of the levels of pain so you were just you were tapped out yep so we go back to the emergency room i walk in by myself um i can't imagine that anybody who saw me couldn't tell i was sick and there were three millennial people working at the little triage place there at the emergency room so who didn't seem to give a shit that i was standing there well actually we moved you straight from the car mm-hmm. to a wheelchair right because i wouldn't let you get out of the car because of your foot and i had given them a breakdown of what was going on but here's the interesting thing you mm-hmm. couldn't actually go into the emergency room waiting area to check in right. they've put a little yard shed outside and that's where their staffers are in so that if you're sick you just go straight to this little garden shed essentially and then they dispatch now they brought out a wheelchair they figured out where they were going to put you because you had already been presumed positive they had to make sure they met those protocols for safety and security purposes and they took you in through the actual ambulance entrance So I go back to the emergency room for the second time. And I think both of the emergency room visits were both on Mondays. I think they were exactly one week apart. Tuesdays, I think. Whatever. So um, I go in the second time. 
the doctor comes in to see me and he says, so you were here a week ago. What brings you back? And that's when I tell him, I was like, well, I've got this pain in my foot, my lower leg. My girlfriend Googled it and said that it was a symptom of a heart problem related to COVID. Well, I will admit that they literally went into um, a pretty serious concerned protocol. And um, first thing they, together. the first thing they did was they hooked me up and did an EKG. And then they did a sonogram on my entire right leg and foot. And blood work out of both arms. They needed so much blood, they had to hit me in both arms. Um, I did a CT scan. I did uh, another chest X-ray. Uh, I've constantly got the oxygen meter hooked up to my finger. They're taking my blood pressure every hour. I mean, they're on it. And I was in the emergency room, I'm guessing, eight, nine, ten hours, somewhere in there. At the point you let me know that they were admitting you, right. you had been in there about 10 hours. And you were still sitting in the parking lot. Which is really somewhat comical because you had it and I was exposed. Right. I mean, think about this. You've got COVID going on. Yeah. I live roughly 20 minutes right. from the hospital. Right. Could I have come home? Yes. But the first time they discharged you, I didn't know they discharged you until you were standing outside waiting mm. for me to drive up and pick you up. So I was reluctant to drive home because I don't want you sitting outside the emergency room if they're discharging you. Right. And, you know, you just don't know. So you want to be there because if it's something serious, hopefully they're going to let me come in or help or, you know, I felt like I could do more sitting in the parking lot than anywhere else. Understood. And now the working. second time I was there, I was the first time I was there. I don't think I texted you or anything. The second time I was there, I was trying to keep you in the loop, trying to keep the information flowing. So, you know, we're getting really good at the, the uh, emergency room visit and well, keeping people but, informed. So I'm sitting, you know, this is probably TMI. I am sitting in the car for eight to 10 hours. I can't go into a restaurant to use the bathroom. I can't go into the hospital to use the restroom. Okay. They have two porta potties in the mm, parking lot. Good times. One that has a sign on it that says non-exposure and one that says exposures. So mm. since I've been exposed to the virus, I had to go into the middle of the parking lot and use the exposure porta potty. Wow. So while Porta Potty Annie is outside <laughs> doing her thing, um, I'm in the emergency room uh, getting poked and prodded. Um, pretty uncomfortable. Great people. I met some great people in my hospital experience, to be honest with you. Um, they have me in what I will testify in a court of law as being um, the most uncomfortable bed on planet Earth. I finally, after eight to nine hours of this, I told the, uh, the nurse, they had told me they were going to admit me, but I told the nurse, I said, uh, this bed is going to fucking kill me way before COVID will. I need out of this bed. So anyway, um, I'm getting all the tests done and the doctors are expressing their concerns and talking to me and they're, they're doing really, you know, thorough job of not only testing me, but explaining to me what's going on. And after eight hours of tests and blood work and everything, it's discovered that I've got blood clots on my lungs. Yes. And that my blood pressure is all out of whack. And I asked the doctor, I said, are both of these caused by COVID? And he says, yes, without a doubt, they're both caused by COVID. Now, the blood pressure thing, I may be on blood pressure medication the rest of my life and it's no big deal. Uh, my grandfather was on blood pressure medication, lived to be well in his 80s. My mother, who's almost 70, is on blood pressure medication. I'm not worried about it. But they were really concerned um, about the blood clots. Apparently, if one of these things breaks loose and goes through the bloodstream to the wrong place, eh, it'd be instant death. Mm -hmm. So they decide they're going to admit me. Yes. And that's when I think I called you or texted you and said, hey, I'm going to be here for a little while. 
so on and so forth. Yes. I will jump in and say, if you are in a similar situation, a couple of things that I found were beneficial was the person going into the emergency room or into the hospital, they're facing the unknown of if they're going to be discharged and what kind of contact they're going to have. So I made sure Cookie had a cell phone charging cord and block. Mm -hmm. I also made sure, because he was so sick, he, he didn't remember what day it was. The first time he went in, he couldn't even say a full sentence without coughing and just exhausting himself. So if you have somebody sick, just keep a running list of the symptoms and the days and the temperatures. And I sent him in with that piece of paper that had everything kind of broken down and when he had had medications and my contact information. Now, the second time he went in, poor guy, the entire way to the hospital, I pounded in his head. Just tell them I'm your wife. <laughs> yeah. Which is really funny because, you know, we're happily unmarried. But after that first experience where they wouldn't tell me anything when I called because I wasn't the wife, even though you had given them my name and number as the point of contact, right. I was livid. I wasn't going to go through that again. Hmm. I did not need to be arrested that day. <laughs> So he did. He told them that I was his wife, gave them my contact information, and magically I was able to get updates once you were admitted. Yeah, and um, second time around, I think that went a little bit smoother. So um, they tell me they're going to put me in the hospital <coughs> and that I'm going to the COVID unit. So um, I think that's probably a scary thing to hear. Um, at that point, anything to get out of that bed in the emergency room, they could have told me they and were sending us. me to the morgue and I would have been okay with it. Because, and a sandwich. And a sandwich, yes. So um, basically, the COVID ward at our local hospital is the very top floor of the hospital. It's the fifth floor. And it is, it's like trying to get into Fort Knox. I mean, they have so many protocols in place that it's it really is um, very high security, uh, over the top with the PPE. And I mean, of course, these people are trying to protect themselves absolutely as much as they're trying to protect you. I mean, you're, they are putting it on the line where they're taking care of people that they know has a virus that's now killed, what, 206,000 people today. So, you know, they they were great. And everybody was pleasant. I had no issues with that. But um, I finally got up to the room. I get a text that says, I am in the most comfortable bed on the planet. Yes, yes. And I, they put me in a beautiful room. It's got a sofa and a recliner in it, which is totally uncalled for because you can't have visitors anyway. So I actually enjoyed the recliner there towards the end of my stay. But um, I'm, in, I'm in this room. I'm watching reruns of friends and I'm in a very comfortable bed and these people are telling me that you know we're gonna take care of you we're gonna make you better and uh, I felt confident in that and throughout my hospital stay both visits actually um, I met people that had all different stories mm -hmm. and COVID experiences I met nurses that had had it and been sick for three weeks healthy, very healthy people living very healthy lifestyles that it shut their entire life down for three weeks. I mean, and yet they, one of them was married to a couch potato who lives off of drive throughs yeah. and it didn't impact him when he caught it. Yeah. Never exercised a day in his life is what his wife said. And he was asymptomatic. So this thing, everybody I talked to that had an experience with it, everybody had different symptoms. Everybody had different everything. The experience is completely different. So um, so I guess probably what a lot of listeners are wondering, did you catch it? Well, that's, that's the interesting thing here. I will say, knock on wood, my son did not, which is huge. Right. I took a total of six nasal 
and oral swabs, and each of them came back negative. Even though you spent a day in the emergency room yourself. I spent two days. I as well had two emergency room visits. Mm. And both times my chest x-rays indicated I was presumed positive. My symptoms the first time were questionable. I mean, here's the thing. We knew my nasal swab and oral swabs had come back negative, but there's no way I was not exposed neck deep in this because of caring for you. And we didn't wear masks. We rode in cars together. Well, I did wear a mask for the first while, but then here's the next part of this. You slept in the bed. Mm -hmm. I slept on the couch because I was trying to keep some distance. And my coughing would have never allowed you to sleep at all. True. Well, it really didn't allow me to sleep even from the couch. There were countless days where when you would stop coughing, I would in the middle of the night go and close my son's bedroom door because I was afraid I was going to find you dead. Nice. And so I was trying to protect my son from hearing me finding you Mm. or the thought of, okay, how do I get medical personnel in here to take care of you or get you out of here? You know, there's just all of these thoughts and sleeping on the couch and the stress. And some days I'd only get two hours of sleep. Some days I'd get 20 minute cat naps. Mm. So were my symptoms or the signs I was showing were those exhaustion related as a caregiver or Mm. were they COVID symptomatic. Because the symptoms that you were having were the complete opposite of what I had. I had the sore throat. I had the low grade to moderate fever. um, Headache. Headache, which here's the thing. If you've listened to this podcast, you know I have battled headaches and migraines. So could that just be my life or could that be the situation? And then I started with the cough. Well, another part of this is, (coughs) excuse me, I have just at 10 years ago, you know what? 10 years ago today, Uh oh. because today is October 4th, October 4th of 2010, I developed Bell's palsy Hmm. after having a flu vaccine. That was mandated by my employer, but that's another story for another day. I started with facial numbness. So both times they took me in, they ran through all the stroke protocol, the COVID protocol. My chest x-rays screamed COVID. Every swab, every everything else said, no, you don't have COVID. The doctors ended up looking at me and saying, If it walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's a duck. Right. I don't care what the tests say. Because we were both told by several different doctors that they really only think that the tests are 30% accurate in either direction. And they said if you had a positive, there was a 20 to 30% chance that it was a false positive. Right. But if you have a negative, it was a 70% chance it's a false negative. And I don't know about you, but I don't like those odds. I would not be happy with those odds in any other facet of life. So did I have it? Do I have it? I don't know. But I did have to go through extreme protocols to be able to go back to work. They kept me out additional amount of time to make sure. Because even one of my tests came back as inconclusive. And, and, you know, I've gone back to work. I, this this upcoming week will start my third week back to work, and you're getting ready to start your second week back mm-hmm. to work. So we feel like we're in the clear at this point. I think I will say I know my energy is not where I want it to be, and I know yours isn't. <clears throat> I feel like my energy level has come back. Um, you know, it's... <laughs> We went for a short walk today, and I'm still feeling 
tightness in winded? Well, I think part of it too is we went for several months where, well, first of all, before March, before the lockdown, we were busy seven days a week with one thing or another. And then we went to absolutely nothing. And for several months, we really have only sat around, drank, ate, and watched TV. Now, but also for the first few weeks before you had gotten sick, I had done a couple exercise challenges. Right. I had been on like a 20-some-odd-day streak of working out every day. I mean, I was getting to where I wanted to be. Right. But, yeah, I mean, the lockdown slowed us down as far as our activity and our normal everyday going out and having a lot of stuff to do. Now, my sleep is not anywhere I don't feel like it was before this scenario. Yeah. How has your sleep been impacted or changed? Well, my sleep um, now is probably the best sleep that I've gotten since I was a kid because I've now been without alcohol longer than I've been without it since I was 18 years old. So I'm at, was it seven or eight weeks sober? And I'm sleeping like a baby. I mean, I still toss and turn like I've always done, but I just feel like I'm getting a lot. My head's a lot clearer. Um, but yeah, you know, going back to the hospital and the blood clots and the fear. So I'm on medications now. Um, I'm on a blood pressure medication that may or may not be on the rest of my life, which is no big deal. You're on a blood thinner you may or may not be on for the rest of your life. Well, the, my doctor, my primary care physician that I now have, did not have one before COVID. So Okay, I'm going to jump in here. How crazy is this that you get discharged <clears throat> from the hospital mm -hmm. and they say in the next seven days you need to have blood work done at your doctor's office right? because of the medications you are now on because of this virus to make sure they're not damaging other organs. Right. But then you go to make the appointment and they say, well, we can't see you physically in the office for 45 days past the last day of your symptom because of our policy and protocol. Right. So we've had a couple telehealth visits. Yeah, I still haven't met my primary care physician yet, but I will towards the end of the month. But here's another funny thing, a little side story. So I went back to work Monday before last and... I have to tell everybody that I work with, it's like, hey, if you hear me cough, it's not COVID lingering. One of the medications that I'm on has a side effect of causing a dry cough. Yeah. So I still have a cough, but I'm not still sick. But so. had anyone heard your actual COVID cough compared yeah. to what you have now? Worlds different. Definitely. And, um, you know, going back to you making me go to the emergency room when I had, I didn't feel I had any reason to go and they found the blood clots, <clears throat> excuse me. And they put me on this medication, you know, Bootsy saved my life. There's no doubt about it. And, um, I've made the down payment on paying her back. I still have a few <laughs> more installments to make, but, um, he does not have to pay me back guys. I, it was my pleasure to take care of him. But I will be listed as a beneficiary on some accounts at some point. Indeed. So um, that's the majority of the story. Like you said, uh, like you said, we've kept a lot of the gory details out. Um, I've learned a lot from this experience. Um, I guess taking care of yourself is more than just um, eating right and exercising and, and so on. I, I really what I would tell people through this is if you think, if you think there's any possibility whatsoever that you might have COVID or you might have anything wrong with you, don't hesitate to get it checked out because, you know, I was perfectly content laying in bed and dying from something I didn't know was wrong. Well, I think here's the other misnomer with all of this. We were abundantly cautious. Oh, yes. We always had a hand sanitizer. We didn't go anywhere that we had. We really didn't go anywhere other than what we talked about in the hot sauce podcast of 
running a couple errands and picking up some things. But again, where we went, they were cautious. We were cautious. It wasn't like we were hanging out at a block party. We weren't eating in restaurants. We were doing the click list pickup at all the grocery stores. Uh, we weren't socializing well, in any way. Like your your son didn't have friends come over. No. Um, we didn't have, you know, we had a couple of other couples that had said, hey, let's all get together for dinner. And we were like, no. Yeah. Negative, I mean, not happening. Down to... We were so overly cautious between the masks and the hand sanitizer. When we went to go run those errands for the Hot Sauce podcast, we went to a city that we knew was taking their precautions more seriously than our own. Correct. So we were being cautious and it still happened to this household. Your symptoms were completely different than my symptoms. I've talked to some people who I work with and others that have had it, and their symptoms were completely different than what we experienced. This is not an ego or a pride thing. This is something that I genuinely think every household is going to run into at some point. You just need to be prepared. You need to have had that conversation, which we actually had had, months ago when this hit of, okay, if this happens to us, who do you want me to contact? Who do I want you to contact? What are the things we can do? What are some things that we can have extras of that aren't going to be perishable in the apartment that if we need to go on lockdown, we can. I mean, those are some conversations that sound silly, yeah. until you've been through something like this. Yeah, I mean, I went in February when I started hearing about it, I went from not taking it seriously and thinking, oh, it's just the flu, to lockdown in March and being scared to walk outside. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, everybody looks at it differently. And I'm going to I'm gonna say this, I've said this before, I don't care what your religious beliefs are, I don't care what your spiritual beliefs are, this shit is real. Or political affiliation. Absolutely. I mean, this shit is real. I had zero pre-existing conditions. Okay. I had no reason to think that even if I caught it, that I would be in danger. There's a lot of people way more unhealthy than me. It's no joke. I mean, you can, you can feel any way you want to about it if you haven't had it. And anybody out there that's lost somebody, you we know, feel so sorry. I mean, and it's people and it's not just old people. That is so true. I mean, it's not just old people. It's people everywhere getting sick. And it's scary. And, you know, every doctor that I talked to while I was in the hospital, because I brought it up, I asked the question, you know, does this mean I'm going to have an immunity to it? And they all told me the same thing, that they are only counting on three months immunity. That from the time you stop showing symptoms, they think you have an immunity buildup that'll last you three months. Mm-hmm. That's a scary thought, too, because I can tell you right now. If you get it again, it's going to hit you worse than it did yeah. last time. I mean, and, and it's too early in the recovery process for me to know. I feel great right now. I feel awesome. We went on a long walk today. I feel great. You know, who knows? And it, it, the only time will tell if I have permanent damage to my lungs. Well, and I think some of this also... On a financial note, I mean, we are both lucky that we have jobs that we retained. Well, not only only that, but I was out of work for exactly one month and my boss paid me. I never had to use vacation time, sick leave or anything. Which is massive. But I'll be honest with you. There have been a couple of days I've been scrolling on Amazon and it's like, oh, I would love to get this. But you know what? After what we've been through, I think I'd rather have a little bit more in the bank. Yeah, that can wait. Yeah, and so I can't, there's there's some mindset changes yeah, that I think for us that have occurred. Yeah, and I and I can't stress enough to anybody out there: wear your mask, wash your hands, wash social your, social distance, all that stuff, and wash your masks. Wash your mask. It, it just there's no such thing as as overreacting to this. You know, I I went to the hospital twice. You know, it was the second time I didn't want to go. And that was the time when they found something that could have killed me. Mm -hmm. So 
don't be afraid to ask the questions. Don't be afraid to get things checked out because it's no joke. Well, this is a very, very serious thing that I think people just need to put their egos and attitudes in check on. Absolutely. Because this is not political. This is not religious. This is not about individuals. I mean, this is about everything as a whole. I mean, if the president and his wife can get it, it's supposed to be the safest building in the United States. Come on. Anybody can get it. Anybody. Now, some people obviously get it because they're not careful. Well, we but even everybody made, can get it. We even made a really diligent and dedicated effort to make sure that when you were in bed, the dogs weren't with you. Yeah. Because. Who knows? We don't want who, them getting it. Who knows? You They're, know, you just, and some of the precautions I took while you were in your state is may have been overkill. And I may have had a good, genuine temper tantrum breakdown when the HVAC unit decided to die on a 90 degree day and you're recovering in bed with, you know, respiratory issues. But we put a bandaid on it and it worked out. It did. But I definitely, I think that it does change things for us. I think it's brought us closer. I agree. I think it's also definitely changed the tone of this podcast where it's going to be a sober one. Yes. And that's my goal is to stay sober. Now, I'm an alcoholic. So an alcoholic will always be an alcoholic. So yes. I might be here in six months. And you might hear bottles rattling, but as of right now, that's not what I want. And that might be. And if that's the case, I'm still going to be here supporting you. I might be really pissed at you for a couple of days or weeks. Or years. That's there fine. might be more down payments. Oh, so um, that's it. I think. That's, that's where we're at. I will say Oboe is back in school. Yeah. You are at work. Yep. I am at work. We are all extremely cautious because yep. we've seen what a severe case of COVID can look like. And we're just all incredibly grateful you survived it. Thank you. So thank you for listening. I would like to say if you have had a COVID experience, you want to share with us because right now survivors or family members of survivors have not really been given a platform to talk. Mm -hmm. Email us. Where? Cookieandbootsy at gmail.com. Excellent. Or at cookieandbootsy on Instagram. Awesome. Yeah, send us a DM on Instagram. Um, it's good to be here. It's good to do this again. Hopefully, uh, it won't be another month and a half. And I hopefully, hope it will be more uplifting moments in life. Well, and I think, you know, the tone of the podcast for so long has had a pandemic-related overtone. Well, we started this because... Because of the pandemic. Yeah. I would like to think that now with clearer minds and a different outlook, we will be able to find alternative and some other conversations to have. Absolutely. Thank you for listening. If this is your first time, thank you for joining us. If you are a repeat offender or have been repeatedly offended. Welcome back. Thanks for coming back. Have, have a, a great day. Have a great day. Peace. <laughs>